Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 317th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. And a flag route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, boys? What's up? Our JV program is 2-0 now. Uh, I'm 2-0 as a JV head coach and offensive coordinator with wins of 28 to 20 and 28 or 26 to 8. So uh, over NBA and, and Brentwood Academy. So I'm, I'm flying high right now. Well, that's good. I mean, it looks like you guys had a little bit more competition than the game that I came to this past week where your varsity team, uh, I don't think I've seen as sad a competition as what I saw at Ensworth Stadium on yeah. Friday night, coach. Like that, that was like I was embarrassed for the other team. Yeah, I see. I, I, I was like, man, this is this is a tough one for Fred to come see because we're going to pour him to absolute death. Um, this would have been a better game for him to come to. So, yeah, we play Knoxville Catholic tomorrow yes yeah i am uh I, i'm looking forward to that for you as well and i'm also looking forward to welcoming in the third amigo in the second city a man who does not take offense when his offense is compared to brian ference it's our <laughs> interpret blogger from big ten and counting josh cook i mean what can you even say at this point you, you're gonna you're gonna go crazy if you don't laugh so might as well uh enjoy the jokes and memes and evidently Dabo sweeney press conferences that are coming yeah. out of it those are those have been a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate uh, everyone who is uh, tuning in here to us here on Illegal Motion uh, anywhere across the world, whether you are on the YouTube, on the audio feed, on MikeFarrellSports.com. Uh, we uh, appreciate you listening in. And we want to remind you guys that we are presented by BetOnline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at BetOnline.ag. Uh, with football season in full swing, we are recording on Thursday night like we always do. Thursday night, uh, NFL is back 7-7 seven to seven, uh, as, as we go right now. Um, you know, college football, we're entering week two, which we're just which we're just about to talk about. But no matter what your game is, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device. Head on to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. We are going to start, gentlemen, with one big takeaway each from week one. I'm going to go first. Um, and so I want to start with, uh, the fact that the PAC 12 is going out with a bang, uh, as a conference, they are now 13 and O, uh, obviously the highlight from this past weekend was Colorado beating TCU, uh, on coach prime's debut in what was uh, a great game. If you like offense and if you are interested in <laughs> defensive fundamentals, uh, you were probably turned away in abhorrence from what you saw and the amount of missed tackles that you saw. That being said, uh, that was the statement win, but I think we saw a lot of other very impressive victories. I was really blown away with just how strong Oregon state looked. I thought that could be like a mini trap game. We saw San Jose state come in. They had already, played one game uh, on their schedule. They'd already played against um, and, and looked USC. pretty good against USC offensively. Oregon State, though, man, they looked strong. Josh, you have been talking about them forever. You you liked them in the title game this year in the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. That offensive line uh, showed up at even better than expected. And, uh, you know, if, if they can be that good, if Colorado can put on that kind of offensive performance again and again, uh, you know, maybe in their final year, uh, Josh, they will somehow go out with a CFP team. Uh, anything else in the Pac-12 stand out to you? Well, other than uh, DJU kind of uh, trolling uh, oh, his old team. That but, was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you have what happened at Clemson, it's either the quarterback is actually god-awful or the – Coaching is not very good. And when you saw DJU, just like his upside, his athleticism, um, his intangibles, you just kind of got the feeling like mm, it's 
it might not actually be him. And that's sort of what Oregon State was banking on. That's what I was looking at. And it was, you know, it's just one game. It's just one small sample size, but it was one hell of a debut. It really was. And, you know, what impressed me, like, you know, we've been complaining that Clemson has had terrible offensive line play for a couple of years. We saw him with good line play. He had all day and was dropping dimes all over the field. Uh, or, you know, Oregon's offense put up 81 against FCS Portland State. Washington's offense came out booming. I mean, it was fantastic. So for me, the big thing that I took away from week one was the fact that the Pac-12 is saying, you know, we, we might be uh, might be the end of an era, but, you know, we're going to go out with a bang. Even Cal, I thought it was an impressive victory at North Texas. North Texas is a team that we all think, you know, can make a little bit of noise. And Jaden on that Cal team came out looking good. Stanford even got a win. I mean, you know, kudos to the Pac-12. Josh, what stood out to you here in the first week of the college football season? Yeah, all right. I got that sneeze in real quick. I'm glad I muted my microphone there. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I like to pride ourselves on a legal motion that we we are not like crazy hot take artists. If you if you want like hot takes, there's probably better podcasts out there. You just like listen to Stephen A. Smith. So this is not a hot take. This is just I found it curious, and and I'm wondering what it's going to mean ultimately as the course of the season plays out. But uh, the SEC had three games against ranked opponents, um, Florida and Utah, and Utah completely dominated them, and Florida looked completely outclassed and outcoached. South Carolina versus North Carolina, and South Carolina's uh, line play was uh, was not good, as, as Matt was uh, hammering in the text thread. Um, and North Carolina, not really known for their defense, held them to just 17 points and just three for the second half. And like and, nine sacks. I know. I know. And then, obviously, LSU got completely worked by the Knowles. And so I just I, I'm not entirely sure what it ultimately means. I think Florida's the easiest to uh, to diagnose that Bill and Napier has been crushing it on the recruiting trail, but it hasn't seemed to translate yet for his X's and O's. And I know that he's got a great class coming in, so they might give him that extra year. Um, but that's the easiest one to diagnose why you know, we never thought it'd be an easy game for South Carolina, but to, uh, to completely no show. And then for Florida state, uh, I mean, the, I don't want to step on toes of, of coaches take, but uh, I don't think any of us had this being a 21 point game. Mm-mm. Well, LSU flat quit. I mean, that's just yeah. what it, what it comes down to. They, they just, Florida state just ripped the will right out of them. And you, you saw the the air just being let out of LSU sales when that happened. I mean, it was, it was rough, man. Like just all of a sudden LSU starts getting beat up front, which rarely happens. Um, Jaden Daniels couldn't, couldn't all of a sudden couldn't sniff anything. Uh, I mean, they, they couldn't get a running game going. Uh, Neighbors was not getting open. I mean, it was, it was one thing after another. Yeah, it was a, a a sight to behold on Sunday night. It and uh, Florida State's receivers w- had their way with DBU, you know, especially mm-hmm. Keon Coleman, the Michigan yeah. State transfer. I mean, he was, you know, they couldn't the, stop the, him either. Yeah, no, they they, they couldn't stop him. They had at no all. answer. So I think that you know, I think out of these sort of three, I think I was most disappointed in South Carolina uh, with all of the rah rah that's been ha- ha- uh, going around Columbia with a lot of the talk about Beamer ball, Beamer being back. And, you know, it was, I thought that was probably the biggest letdown of the three. You no, saw LSU to me, Matt. Really? I mean, they mm. were, they were tied late in that game and then just all of a sudden gave up and Florida state went on a run. I mean, I, I don't understand. They just fell off the face of the earth. I, I and they're picked a, to win the West by a lot of people. Not by I, me. I, not by I do me. have a, I do have a coaching uh, question though for you, coach. Um, for a field goal attempt, uh, Florida played some mind games and only lined up eight men on the field, and then it's Utah missed. And then Utah missed the kick. It, did Napier stumble on on something? Is this the old rope a dope? You yeah, uh, you, you lull, you just lull, lull the opposing team. 
<laughs> yeah. The old eight man. I guess they thought they were in the uh, middle of Kansas high school football there for a second. They, they're playing eight man ball. So I don't know, man. That's a bold I'm, strategy. They were worried about having two people with the same number on the field again. So they just reduce the number of players out there and hey, uh, reduce the odds of getting that penalty or you're, you're good to go. Yeah. I hadn't seen that penalty happen since it actually happened to Wisconsin. Uh, I think their <laughs> opening game in, in a game during the Gary Anderson era. So um, coach your one big takeaway from week one. Well, my one big takeaway is actually looking at the ACC, which uh, I've been a little tough on here lately. Um, not so much. Now uh, North Carolina looked really good with Drake may they moved the ball very effectively protected him very well, played adequate enough defense um, and adequate enough, pretty solid defense uh, against a, what was supposed to be a pretty uh, fairly explosive South Carolina offense. Um, then you have Duke who shocked everybody. Uh, Clemson comes in ranked. Not and two of us. <laughs> not two of us. I, 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 I believe that I believe the, uh, the, uh, the big 10 contention here, both picked Duke in that game. You guys are very, very high on Duke, but you don't represent the majority of the opinion in, in, in that matter uh, prior Duke's to this perfect, game. Duke's the perfect Big Ten school, let's be honest. They they really are. Uh, they're yeah. way better than Northwestern, that's for sure. So um, you saw Duke just absolutely manhandle Clemson, which is something you don't really – something you haven't seen in a while is, is a team like Duke, a team you know uh, uh, that's been – I guess talent depleted. Uh, Mike Elko has done a f- tremendous job getting those guys ready to play. And Riley Leonard is a special, special quarterback. And then, of course, Florida State. They're they are the class of this conference. I mean, they're, they're showing that they can hang with the big boys. They smacked around LSU. Um, they traded shot for shot and then and then leaned on them and, and then and then blew them out in the, in the fourth quarter. So that's your probably playoff contender. Uh, and, and and Duke can hang with anybody as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, I guess you could call it changing of the guard. I, I don't really know, but Clemson's in trouble, man. I, I, I don't see I, – I just, I just don't see it with them. Yeah, I think that we're starting to see the <coughs> bigger issues of Dabo Swinney's, you know, stubbornness when mm-hmm. it comes to the transfer portal, when it comes to oh, embracing yeah. what – I think DJ, DJ Ukulele saw it too. Yeah, Big Cinco definitely. Oh, Big Cinco's daddy really came out and said something. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. But uh, you know, yeah, I think that you know there is a change of the guard happening in the ACC. Maybe it is. It's going to be Duke and Florida State, or you know, at at the top of the conference this year, UNC is going to be in there. I'm yeah, intrigued. UNC will definitely be in there. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see sort of how this moves forward. If UNC, I mean, found- Syracuse put up a 65 burger. I, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's you know the competition was not exactly the strongest, but no, you know, but it's still, still for Syracuse, that's good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move ahead then into the second week moving forward for this weekend. I've got five games. Uh, what I think are the probably the five mm-hmm. most intriguing matchups. Well, we, we we've actually I, I've got a sixth one in the back of my head that I forgot to write down on the sheet, so I might throw that at you in a little bit. <laughs> but um, we're gonna start here with number five. Um, uh, coach Texas, uh, Alabama. That is, that's the marquee game of the weekend. No, it's not. It's El Asico. Well, we, we, we will be talking about that as well, um, for different reasons. Uh, but last year's affair in Austin was epic and had Quinn Ewers not gotten injured. I think you could have made a case that Texas would have gone and ahead and won that game. Uh, Jalen Mid- back then. Uh, yes, they would have officially been back had yeah. they beaten Alabama last year, an yeah. Alabama team that did not even win their own. Uh, however, Jalen Milrow ended up being QB1 for uh, for the Tide in week one and did some special things with his legs like we all know mm-hmm. that he can. Uh, but coach, uh, what do you think Sark and them boys need to do in order to pull off the upset in Tuscaloosa? Uh, make sure that they lock the locker room for uh, no. Um, so I, I think offensively they need to go fast. They need to go f- um, and they need to stretch the field both vertically and horizontally. Uh, a lot of what they did last year with Quinn Ewers, I, I think that was a great game plan and, and had Alabama on their heels 
tempo always gives the Nick Saban defense very, very much trouble. Um, often, or defensively for, for Texas, what they need to do is they need to force Milrow to beat them through the air. I, I think they need to load up, stop the run, because that's what Alabama really wants to do. They want to shorten the, shorten the game, play bully ball. And if Texas does not allow them to do that and forces Jalen Milrow to throw from the pocket, they have a chance. Mm-hmm. They have a chance. So, um, but yeah, just get first downs, control the clock offensively with Quinn Ewers, tempo, things like that. Get Alabama on their heels, and and this game could get really interesting. Yeah, Josh, I think this game definitely could get interesting because Alabama is out two of their starting defensive backs, uh, Jalen Key and Malachi Moore are both uh, were both injured in uh, in in the past game. And they're both out. And so we already know that Texas has some really good weapons uh, catching the ball, whether it's Xavier Worthy, um, their big tight end, Jatavian Sanders. Uh, what are your thoughts here on this one? I mean, my thoughts are kind of what we we talk about whenever we're, we're bringing up a Sark coach team. You know, when when you win more than eight games, uh, we'll, we'll start to, to believe you in some of these marquee games. And I know they were close last year, but that's kind of a mark of a uh, up and down coach when you can't seal the deal in those games. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's rude to say, but like until Sark proves it, I'm going to trust Alabama finds a way to win this game, especially at home. Yeah. I think that, you know, Alabama still has to be the favorite here, but this is as good an opportunity that Texas has had in an extraordinarily, extraordinarily long time. Now for Alabama, get after Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Uh, Hit him early and often, uh, force them to be one dimensional and be successful up front running the ball. Mm -hmm. And if if they can get their running backs rolling, they'll they'll cruise. This This will be a blowout. Yeah, they they definitely want to make it a short game, make it they want to Alabama wants to make it an old school Nick Saban game. Like mm-hmm. they they want like 2011 Alabama mm-hmm. type of game. So they they don't want to get into another sort of uh you know a, a shootout because frankly they don't have the same weapons really. This ain't 2020 Bama. That's crazy. That's that which is <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think about in the past couple of years. All right. Um, next, let's head north to the great state of Iowa. Josh, it's El Asico. It's Iowa. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. Iowa State. It is classic, massive. <laughs> Some would say it's huge. Josh, it's so big that we have not one, not two, not three, but four different mm-hmm. Republican presidential candidates. All the stars are coming out. Ron DeSantis, <laughs> Donald Trump, Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy. Josh? Before you get into the game, which one of those would make the best college football coach? <laughs> uh, well, quite frankly, I think I would make the best offensive coach. I would be very masterful in my schemes. Uh, we would have the greatest facilities, the best bar people, none, the best, the best people. people, the best people in the support staff. We yeah. would have the greatest recruiters and we had the greatest recruiting pitch all time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Trump's just kind of like uh, all bluster. So he's he's who he's uh, he's Jimbo Fisher now at this point, and yeah. Ron DeSantis is completely incompetent. So he's uh, uh, who's he? He's, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it might actually he it might actually be Donald Trump would be the best college football coach. I I, I think Donald <laughs> Trump is pretty much the runaway answer here. It's definitely not DeSantis. Oh. DeSantis has no personality. No. You, need, you need some personality if you're going to be uh, a college coach. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea who Asa Hutchinson is. Apparently, he's a person who is in the Republican... Uh, who's in is the, he, the, the, he might be the guy that in, in order to get to a certain number of donors, he had on his website, if you donated $5... He was going to send you a $20 gift card. You might I mean, be that, that guy. That's, uh, you know, that's an interesting strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works <laughs> out for him. Uh, speaking of interesting strategies, no. Brian Ferentz's offensive schemes. Josh, this is your baby after all. Dabo, Dabo Sweeney approved. Hey, Josh, before you go, I actually did pick Iowa in this game. <laughs> Israel picked Iowa yeah. State. Just, just let that be known. All right. Well, okay. So let's talk 
couple things to unpack here. First of all, Iowa's win over Utah State. I'm sure uh, no one watched it because why would you? And uh, I don't think the uh, Iowa coaching staff cared much about it after they went up 14-0. They scored on back-to-back plays. They looked like they could open up the game and win by 50-60 on them. And they literally just went to sleep. The whole team went to sleep. I mean, uh, the, the defense held them to just 14 points. But, like, at one point, Cooper DeGene dropped a sure pick six. Yep. Hit him, like, right in the numbers. And we're like, well, this is, this is weird. Um, the Iowa player that really came to play was senior linebacker Jay Higgins. And he's been tucked on the, on the uh, depth chart behind Jack Campbell, who – like yeah is incredible and playing as kick. we speak for the Lions <laughs> yeah, after being a first to, round pick yeah he's about to kick ass and probably have a nice 15 year NFL career so Jay Higgins ah what does he do first career start you know he just goes out there and has 12 solo tackles and 16 overall he was he was incredible uh Cade McNamara looked really good but it was just once they got up they just shut down and they lost that intensity and it was really deflating and then you saw some other classic Brian Farron stupidity. And it's like, it's so hard to defend him when he does this stupid stuff. Like, number 21 for Iowa, Jay Zoon Patterson. He got out on the field twice. What did they call? A jet sweep to him twice. The second time they did it, as soon as he was out there and as soon as he went in motion... Utah State just crashed the line and blew the play up. And it's like, what are you doing? Why? Like, you wouldn't do this in a video game. Like, I don't understand what Brian Ferris is doing. Um, you know, last year, I couldn't stand him. But I, you know, when I previewed Iowa, I tried to be a little bit more objective, objective and not, you know, give in to my distaste of Ferris. Um, We did have issues with um, injuries in the receiving core. We had a very inexperienced line. Well, the line struggled in run deep run, uh, run blocking again this week. It's like you had all off season to get this figured out and we can't even run for a hundred yards against Utah state. Isn't we Brian have Barrett supposed to be an offensive line coach. Yeah, that's what he used to be. And what's weird is when he was the offensive line coach, we had 2000 yard backs and one was one of the leading rushing teams in the nation. But now as offensive coordinator, he's not coaching that position group. That position group's not very good now, and he's not very good at calling the plays. So, like, I don't know why his dad doesn't just put him back to where he had success. And, and it's crazy. We have Caleb Johnson, who has all the talent in the world. Talent for talent, he very well could be the best back in the entire Firenze era, yet he's playing behind, like, the worst offensive line stretch of play over the last two years in the Ferentz era. It's, it's just insane. Um, now, the interesting thing on the other side of the field is Iowa State, and they've had a lot of turnover with the gambling stuff that was happening. Um, they lost their starting quarterback. He suspended for the year. Um, but their, their backup, Rocco Becht, a three-star kid, uh, got a few Power 5 offers. Probably most notable was Ole Miss. Um, Iowa State fans were kind of excited for him for next year. And a lot of Iowa State fans kind of had the silver lining of, well, okay, if we're going to suck, at least our quarterback gets an extra year of experience. Um, they didn't ask him to do, do, they did not ask him to do too much. I'm so excited to talk about El Asico. Uh, he was 10 of 13 against Northern Iowa, but Cyclones looked pretty good against Northern. So, uh, what does well, it all mean? Did they though? I mean, they had a hundred, two hundred and fifty total yards on offense. Yeah. That's not that. That's pretty yeah, piss poor. It was okay. Two hundred fifty total yards. That is thirty to nine good. though. Thirty to nine. Yeah, I mean that's. It looked better than expected. It looked better than expected. True. But um, yeah, I mean, Iowa was the more talented team even before Iowa State lost so many players to the gambling investigation. Iowa would be favored. I'm expecting Iowa to win, but. Um, when you are up 14 nothing on Utah State and looking like you are going to cruise to a 40-plus point victory and you just go, eh, we're good, and pack it up, it pisses us the F off. I don't know why you do this. I'm seeing, like, 
Oregon dropped 81 on Portland State. I'm like, we can't even get to 30? Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. All right. Well, <laughs> let's move over to the, uh, the quasi-ACC for another matchup that I am interested in that I think is kind of a sneaky uh, big game for both of these teams. We've got Notre Dame uh, playing against NC State in Raleigh. Wolfpack last week struggled with UConn in the opener, managed a 24 to 14 victory in stores. Still, yes, we like the direction that, that UConn is moving in, but NC State should be better than a 10 point victory in just scoring 24 points against UConn. Um, Coach, what do you think that NC State needs to do in order to take down an Irish squad that has two games under their belt already and has looked really strong, especially offensively? Sam Hartman seems to be a perfect fit. Well, it's just that. Uh, get after Sam Hartman. Uh, get some pressure in his face and and get him off his rhythm. Hit him, sack him, um, disrupt his throwing lanes, things like that. Uh, stop the run, make him one-dimensional. All the things you need to do to, to get after a quarterback of that caliber. Uh, defensively, um, well, to attack Notre Dame's defense, you just tempo, run the ball effectively. Uh, you need to score more points than they do. Um, no. <laughs> That's well, perfect strategy. I, but- I, I think that there was a chance that uh, they were going, they being the Wolfpack, being very vanilla in this first game and really just trying to get um, new OC, new mm-hmm. quarterback, and the rest of the skill position guys all on the same yeah, page. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they'll be much better. Uh, and, and UConn's not the same UConn that we uh, th- that we that we know. Uh, Jim Moore is doing a great job there. He, he's got them competitive. Uh, NC State again was just very vanilla. I, I think if they just take some more shots downfield uh, against this Notre Dame defense, really kind of put some pressure on them to kind of stop uh, to kind of stop them. I, I think maybe the Notre Dame offense will feel a little bit more pressure and they might make some unforced errors, things like that. So, um, you know, simple thing. Cut the head off the snake at this point with uh, <laughs> with Sam Hartman. Josh, you, you, you interested in anything about this game? Well, you know, Coach alluded to hitting, uh, hitting Hartman, and I think just have that philosophy really for every position. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's looked really good, but the level of competition has been Navy and Tennessee State. Uh, they haven't played a road game. Um, I, I mean, the Ireland game, but like that's not, not a road, a road environment. Game. It's it's a travel scenario, but not a hostile road environment. So, you know, get the crowd going, get some nice physical play in, kind of make Notre Dame go, oh, whoa, this, this is a, a real game. They haven't been in a real game yet this year, yeah. so... Um, that's probably NC State's best chance. If it gets into a shootout, uh, I'm not sure NC State can keep up in a shootout. Definitely not. I think like Notre Dame hasn't been hit in the mouth yet, right? No. You know, in their first two games, it has been they've been playing patty cake with these other teams. It's been it's been a joke. The talent gap has been massive. Talent ga- gap will be much about smaller. Notre Dame still has more talent on their roster than NC State does. Uh, Coach, I'm sorry, I'm boring you with my analysis, but. Um, <laughs> It is, it, you know, it, it, it's a lot smaller, and I think that there are there are places here that NC State really can do some, you know, some big stuff. Um, I think that uh, one of the other games that I want to move to next is a, is a uh, a matchup of two teams that are ha- have coaches who are, uh, you know, definitely moving these programs in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Illinois. This is a very and- interesting one. Illinois and Kansas. I am like genuinely wildly intrigued by this game. This might be the game I am most like interested in outside of like my own rooting interest this weekend. Like, I think this is going to be an absolutely fascinating football game. Both teams coming off huge years in 2022. Like I said, these coaches have found their groove in Lance uh, Leopold. Is it Leopold? Leopold? Uh, I think it's Leopold. Leopold, live. I don't know why I said Leopold. Leopold. I always call him Leopold, but <laughs> yeah, he's not unfortunately a former king of Belgium. Um, he, you know, well he's, he's got Kansas moving. Uh, Brett Bielema in the in the hashtag fam I L L Y. He he does he does family uh, a little bit family. different than Brian Kelly does. <laughs> family, but uh, Illinois the Illini struggled in their family. opener against. Yeah. Toledo. Um, 
and they eked out a 30 to 28 victory. Uh, Kansas looked good in their opener. Josh, what does Illinois need to do? How, what do they, how can they write the ship in order to stay competitive with a very, very potent Jayhawks offense? Well, they got to take on a very potent Toledo team and Toledo, we talked about them. They had 16 starters back. They were our consensus pick to win the Mac. Um, I thought they had a really good chance in this game when I previewed the week over on Big Ten Counting.com. I had this as the upset pick. Um, I thought Toledo had a really good chance. Illinois lost a lot of talent on that secondary and it showed 230 passing yards. Um, what was a little surprising was just how much they gave up on the ground game as well. Over four yards of carry, 186 yards for the Rockets. So 416 yards overall. Toledo is moving the ball up and down the field on them. Uh, if you're Illinois, okay, you got some game experience. Break that tape down. Um, hopefully your defense is a little bit better come week two because we know Kansas has uh, quite a bit of offensive upside, whether – it's uh, QB one or QB two. Uh, sounds like, sounds like he's playing, right? Daniels is playing. Yeah, Jalen Daniels should yeah. be playing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought Bean did all right last year, and Bean looked pretty good in the starter role uh, for week one. So I, either way, I think Kansas has some offensive pop there. So if you're Illinois, hopefully you got some of those kinks worked out. Illinois returned three starters on the offensive line, and um they gave up two sacks and their running backs kind of struggled to get to 93 yards. Yeah. Um, so that's not where sure, I would be concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not sure what that was all about with the returning talent there. So, um, so definitely something to keep an eye on. If Illinois is not competitive or not efficient in that offensive line for a second straight week, um, going to be tough for Illinois to to really um you know get to a bowl game there because they got some really tough games this year they have a tough schedule I will say I want to give myself a little pat on the back um for Illinois preview I talked about their special teams and how um their punter really struggled last year but their mm-hmm. kicker Caleb Griffin was really solid last year he was 14 and 19 and he's got a really strong leg and I ended the special team section by saying um that basically if the punter improved in the offseason and Caleb Griffin holds steady, this unit should be fine, probably even win a game or two for the Illini. And, well, they hit a game-winning field goal and, and won the game week one. So uh, I'm going to be honest. I've got Kansas winning the game. I predicted Kansas to win the game in the previews. And, um, I, you know, I'm not too sure – how Illinois can, can get going unless that defense wakes up and that offensive line wakes up. Yeah, before the season, I probably would have chosen Illinois, but after what I've seen even after week one, I try not to let that affect what I think too much, but I'm probably going to pick Kansas in this one as well, Coach. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think you chalk up the offensive line issues to communication stuff for week one, so you'll see how that translates. If they can get it worked out and get it back together, they'll be just fine on the ground. Uh, this game will be good regardless. Um, I think Illinois will improve. Kansas Luke Altmaier looks good. I, I should have mentioned yeah. that earlier. Luke Altmaier. Yeah, good, Luke Altmaier. Uh-huh. It, Luke Altmaier was very, very close to winning the Ole Miss job a year ago. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what Illinois does not want, though. What's that? They do not yeah. want this to become a track meet. Track meet. <laughs> that's an inside joke for those of you who've been listening for a while those, those of you that have been with us for a while yes um uh for those of us you who've been with us for a while you'd be uh a surprised we've been talking about a match between nebraska and colorado considering how poor both of these teams have been for oh the eight years that we've been doing this show together um it'll be a one score game don't worry about it well, so this is, you know, <laughs> I, obviously all eyes in the college football world were on Colorado TCU last week. It lived up to expect expectations in a lot of ways just because it was a it, it was a good game and that it was a close game. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a well-played game. I thought it was a well-schemed game by mm-hmm. Sean Lewis. I think you have to give a huge tip of the cap to Sean Lewis, a huge tip of the cap to Shador Sanders mm-hmm. and obviously Travis Hunter but they now uh, head home for Prime's 
opener in Boulder, which coach I think is going to be uh, a, a really interesting game because it's a former big time, big eight matchup. And while the Buffs put up an offensive showcase last week, the Huskers choked away a rock fight against Minnesota mm-hmm. in what was, I think, uh, objectively the worst game of all of week one at any level of college football. No, BYU's was worse. <laughs> oh, I forgot about BYU. Okay. That was bad. The second bad. worst. The BYU, second BYU's worst. led to me making a meme that I was very proud of. That, you know, that's... That that's saying something. If you get Josh to, uh, if you get Josh to meme level, that is, uh, you know, you know, fourteen nothing to Sam Houston State. Yeah, that was that was special. And um, just quick quick aside, um, Josh, you were right. I was wrong about Purdue, and I, that's, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, I'll go back to Nebraska, Colorado, uh, Coach. This week, yes. What do you think is more likely Colorado's offense falling back to earth or Nebraska being able to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and actually make uh, a contest out of this one? Hmm. Uh, Is is Travis Hunter playing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, Uh, I I think Colorado's offense is going to take off. Travis Hunter is, is Deion Sanders reincarnated just Mm -hmm. so you know, Um, Nebraska. Okay. I think they will be a little bit better than they were but not much. I mean, they've got so far to go. I, I just don't think I, – I just don't see them staying in this one. I think Colorado's going to jump all over them. Colorado does a great job of moving the ball with tempo. They do a great job of finding Travis Hunter and giving him the ball. Uh, they have a great running game. I can't I can't ever remember the guy's name, the freshman kid who, who ran the ball so well against oh, TCU. Dylan Edwards. D- Dylan Edwards, yes. And uh, defensively, man, they – they flat hit TCU in the mouth. TCU still still scored 42. Yeah, but still, like there were times where like times where TCU absolutely needed to have one. Colorado's defense stepped up huge and, and, and hit them right in the mouth. And I think they'll do that against Nebraska's nowhere near as potent as TCU's offense. I think TCU has a really, really good offense, but um I, I think this is this is this may be ugly. I'm this may be ugly. Josh? Well, I mean, I really like when my my website gets some things right. So he, here's – I'm just going to read what I said about uh, Nebraska where, and their preview. Where Josh and, was right. Yeah. and I So in the section talking about Nebraska's quarterback situation, and um, I, I said, one area Frost neglected was quarterback. After riding the Taylor Martinez train for several seasons, Casey Thompson was brought in as a transfer from Texas for last season. He's out off to FAU. So Rule doesn't have much wiggle room on who is the starting quarterback this year. Jeff Sims, a Georgia Tech transfer, is the odds-on favorite to be QB1, which he was week one. He is a nice dual-threat option, but was fairly limited as a passer during his three years as the Yellow Jacket starter. His 30 touchdowns to 23 interceptions and a career sub-60% completion percentage aren't exactly screaming elite quarterback play what did he do in his debut against nebraska well he rushed for 91 yards dual threat he passed for 11 of 19 for 114 yards one touchdown and three interceptions when you are going into a game with jeff sims as your starting quarterback you're probably not doing too much efficient moving of the ball through the air no no no. Like I said, this is going to get ugly. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Josh, is this even a, an even bigger rebuild than we thought in Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, like, we thought that Nebraska had a lot going wrong with them, but once the stuff came out that, like, Scott Frost did not do any player development and uh, Scott Frost did not bother to recruit for, like, the last two years and uh seemed like he was – enjoying you know these are all rumors these are all rumors i wasn't there i don't know these the rumors from the nebraska people i know and follow and what i can kind of read between the lines is frosted a fair amount of reliving his glory days in college Uh and less of his oh i am the head football coach i'm supposed to run the program 
Um, who knows if they're true? I don't, you know, I don't want to get sued for libel. I'm just, I'm just reporting Allegedly. Just reporting the rumors. Reporting the rumors. Reporting you know what? Allegedly. I'm also worried that he has, uh, you know, he, he's doing, he stole my wife's credit card because we got a charge on my wife's credit card for Runza. And I was very <laughs> concerned. Very concerned about that. So. Is your wife hanging out with Scott Frost? <laughs> no, she is way too busy to be hanging out with Scott Frost. Um, unfortunately, well, I should probably, fortunately, no, probably fortunately for everyone involved. Um, who yeah. are we kidding? Plus, I mean, like, come on, a Wisconsin grad, a Nebraska grad. I mean, who are you gonna take? Come on now. Um, Nebraska, sorry, to, so, sorry to all of our friends in Lincoln. Okay, um, that our is, show has hammered on Nebraska for years. I highly doubt we have any listeners in Lincoln. We might have one or two who are who are who are self-loathing cornhuskers. They, they, they might love to hate us. <laughs> what was it? Year two, three? I got back from my trip to Lincoln and I spent twenty minutes talking about it as the worst freaking town I've ever been in, and that it was worse than West Lafayette. Josh, Josh, that was like <laughs> fifty minutes. Like that, I think that was an entire episode just dedicated to how bad your experience in Lincoln was. So, um, anyhow, okay, so that is. That is the things we're looking forward to. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up our new segment with what we're calling One for the Road. Uh, what Just one other thing that you are watching for this week and that interests you. Um, it can be a homer pick. It can be a non-homer pick. I don't really care. For me, it's going to be a homer pick. It's a revenge game for the Wisconsin Badgers. And it's Luke Fickle's first uh, <coughs> test as the coach of Wisconsin. In their opener against Buffalo, the Badgers offense put up 500 yards. That's good. But Tanner Mordecai was super shaky. He threw two picks, both of which were pretty bad, honestly. Uh, my podcast partner, Matt Burns, you know, over on Believe in Badgers, was Bernie. more, was more uh, glass half full on this one. I was not. Uh, I love the way the run game looked on that one. But the pass game left a lot to be desired. Defense, zero sacks, like two tackles for a loss. Not great against uh, a Buffalo squad that is, as the kids say, mid. So <laughs> I am looking for a revenge game this weekend. Washington State came into uh, Madison last year and beat the Badgers, only 17-14, uh, to kick off what was a very tumultuous season after that loss and then the Illinois loss. Um, you know, w w Wisconsin, or that loss, Ohio State loss, Illinois loss. Paul Chris gets fired. Um, and so I'm just curious what's going to happen on the Palouse this weekend. If the team can circle around that, because, you know, I, this isn't going to be, this is a true test for a team that is ranked 19th in the, in the poll. Wisconsin's not a top 25 team. If you saw my rants in the text thread this weekend, <laughs> uh, Wisconsin does not deserve to be a top 25 team at the moment. Josh, what is your one more for the road? Well, as any good Iowan knows, you you can't get through El Asica with just one for the road. You gotta you gotta have two. You gotta, <laughs> gotta have the backup drink ready to go. Uh, so my two for, my two for the road. Um, there are two games I'm very interested about for exact opposite reasons, completely polar opposite reasons. Uh, the first is Michigan State. Michigan State, Minnesota, and Eastern Michigan. I knew there was a Michigan in there. Uh, Minnesota, Eastern Michigan. Um, we talked about the Nebraska game. Minnesota's offense, not much better, actually. They only put up 13 points in their win last week. Their offense was awful. It, it made Brian Ferentz look competent. Eastern Michigan put up 33 points against Howard. However, to honor Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, they had two kickoff returns for a touchdown. So they got 14 points from their special teams. Um, that kind of diminishes a little bit. So that means yeah, um, 19 points against Howard offensively. Um, so Eastern and Minnesota, can either of these teams score? Eastern's a team that I thought could compete in the MAC, get to a bowl game even. Um, Minnesota looked awful. They, they had about as bad a debut win as possible. The other game, <laughs> um, <laughs> Central Florida, Boise State. Boise, I think, is still giving up points to Washington right now. And uh, 
The Knights. <laughs> the Knights. Um, not exactly a team to bounce oh, back man. against after a week one defensive struggle. For those of you that didn't see it, the Knights against Kent State put up 723 yards Whoa. of offense. Yeah. Whoa. So Whoa. Uh, I'm highly concerned about I mean, Boise. To be fair, the Kent State. State might be the worst team in FBS football this year. Like there is a chance yeah. Kent State is literally yeah, the worst team in FBS. That's bad. There is, but but you don't see a seven burger very often. No. The, 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 the seven hundo is usually reserved for David Klingler Houston teams. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Oh boy. Iowa usually puts up 700 yards in a month. <laughs> and that is, uh, you know, uh, accurate and sad. All right. Uh, coach, what, what, what is, uh, what's your one for the road today? My one for the road. I'm, I'm going to get a, uh, I'm going to get a one and a half pack here. Um, oh. My first one is Georgia seeing how they can bounce back. Um, I mean, bounce back. I mean, they won. They did win. Um, maybe bounce back's not the not the right word, but like, see if the see if the starting offense wake can get up. a rhythm. Wake up a little wake bit. Up. Yeah. I think that's more of it. I think it's I think it's wake up. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's probably a little bit more accurate. But um, you know, just being able to get in a rhythm, execute early, and and get the uh, get the backup quarterbacks in to to solidify that uh, QB two race between Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift. It's um, going to be Gunnar Stockton, isn't it? I don't know. Brock Vandegrift looked pretty good. It's it's. I think it's dead even. I I've really always think been it's a, dead I've even. always been a Vandegrift guy. I can't explain why. I just always have been. And and he showed he showed out. Um, he he was he was the un, unfortunate uh, victim of holding penalty after holding penalty after holding penalty that stalled his drive. But um, so I'm look I'm looking for Georgia to to come out of the gates a little stronger <clears throat> and not wait till halftime to wake up. So um, the next one I'm looking forward to, the one I'm really kind of more intrigued by is the Ole Miss Tulane game. I, I think this is a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. this is Tulane really, really solid, good team uh, that we picked to win the American conference. Um, Ole Miss came out on fire scoring what, 70. What did they score? 73, 73 points? against Mercer. <laughs> Oh, 73 against Mercer. Seven, I think. Yeah. Something 73 like that. seven. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Jackson Dart, man. He looks like they're they're a fun team to watch. I mean, I, I just think this is going to be a fun game to watch because you have two really good explosive offenses. And I just think it's going to be fun. Yeah. And you know, it is, you know, if you remember back when Cincinnati went on their run, right, to make the CFP, they had mm-hmm. to have that signature win against a power five team. They had that signature win against Notre Dame. This is Tulane's chance if they are going to be, you know, the second power five team to crack the CFP, they need a signature win. And this Ole Miss game is the chance. And they're at home and they're at home, too. So this could really be Mm -hmm. a signature win at home against against an SEC team. Well, not just an SEC team, Josh, like an an Ole Miss team that I think that all of us, you know, really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it. right now they got you know, right now they've got the second best odds, odds at eight percent to win to win the West. <laughs> so, <laughs> after after what uh, FSU did to LSU, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm very I'm very much intrigued by that. Yeah. Bama, Ole Miss, LSU. I you know I I think we all liked LS. We all like Ole Miss coming into the season just because of that offense, right? You know, mm-hmm. just because of how you know we we know how potent Lane Kiffin can be we know how mm-hmm. potent they can be as a as a group so I'm excited I'm really excited for that one too coach um all right well before we wrap up any uh any last things Josh oh yeah we we I don't know how we're doing this we buried what happened a massive lead is it the lead the size of the town of Fayetteville it is our our old boys, Woo Pig Suey, they're back at it. We didn't talk about their four interceptions. One was housed in their 56-13 <coughs> dismantling of the Western Carolina Catamounts. 
And we didn't mention the fact that they get to take on Kent State, who just gave up 723 yards. So, Woo Pig Suey, if they're not 2-0 after this weekend, uh, something's gone horribly wrong with the jukebox. Did, did either of you guys see the highlight of the Western Carolina linebacker who comes full speed on a blitz, go try to take out KJ Jefferson, gets his entire body weight launched into KJ Jefferson and bounces off of KJ and KJ like doesn't even notice that he's there, scrambles out and competes a 15 yard pass. It was one of the most incredible things I saw in week one. It, it, that, it was, that, is, that is, I did not see that, but that is absolutely hilarious. I mean, KJ Jefferson is a hoss. Mm-hmm. Like that dude is an absolute hoss of a quarterback. I don't know if he's anything in the NFL level, but he's amazing at the college football level. And I love watching him play. So kudos to him. Kudos to Sam Pittman and them boys in that, you know, the putting the hog and hog mollies on the offensive line. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I think we all have a soft spot for, for the pigs here. So. Oh yeah. All right. Um, Coach, any last words from you? Uh, I think you, I think you stole that thunder. I think we need to end on that. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, uh, I, I'm here for that. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, great to see you boys as always. And we appreciate oh, yeah, everyone totally. tuning in to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast on the Believe Network and MikeFarrellSports.com presented by BetOnline.ag. Um, and so on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton in Music City and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook up there. In the Windy City, this is Matt Perkins saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.